0: It was early morning. The sun was just beginning to come up. I was just getting to my kitchen table, a cup of decaf coffee in my hand, when I happened to glance out the window and caught my breath. Outside, a deer stood ears erect, eyes darting all around. I watched as it took one more anxious look and then lowered its head to nibble at foliage on the ground. Usually in the mornings, I wake up slowly. I sit and drink my coffee and read the paper. But on that morning, I could not take my eyes off the deer. It brought back so many sweet memories. When I was growing up, we lived in Evergreen, Colorado, in a house that was literally built onto the side of a mountain. As a child, I remember sitting by my bedroom window, watching deer and elk graze around the swing set and run up and down the mountainside. Deer in Evergreen makes sense. There's lots of place for them to roam, lots of mountains. But here, I live in a condo in Boston, <laughs> off a busy street by VFW Parkway. I wake up to the sounds of my neighbors shushing their dogs and starting their cars. My kitchen window looks out on condos above, condos below, condos on either side, and a scrap of woods that's maybe 40 feet wide by 60 feet long. It's woods because my neighbors don't mow there, around the rocks and the trees. (laughs) But that's about all it's got to its name. And as I sat here watching that deer, I was just struck, where did it come from? How does it spend its days? Is it just constantly going from patches of woods to patches of woods? Does it miss running, just running through the forest, not having to worry about people or cars? And the more I thought about that deer and its predicament, the more I began to see how we are all like that deer. We are hemmed in. All our lives are hemmed in by tasks and obligations. Like that deer, we wake up early, so many of us, just to nibble at that grass, to catch five minutes of a meditation app, to have the time to read the paper and drink coffee, to have a conversation with a loved one. Like the deer, we rarely stay in any one place for too long. We're constantly on the move constantly worried, weathering anxieties to the extent that it's difficult for us to remain present in any one moment. Like the deer, we travel in herds, yet we feel existentially alone because we so rarely find the space and time that we need to nourish us at our core. I see this with our teens all the time. As you may know, I meet with each and every teen after their bar or bar mit- bat mitzvah, ostensibly to talk about next steps. Mazel tov, I say. Wow, you were amazing. Your Devar Torah, exceptional. I loved your mitzvah project. How did it feel being up there? Did you enjoy it? What's next? We talk for a while, and then I introduce my favorite part, the game. The game is called, All the Things You Never Knew You Desperately Want to Do at Temple Emanuel. It <laughs> goes like this. There are 22 amazing activities that teens can do here at Temple Emanuel. I read off each activity one by one and ask teens to rank them on a scale between zero, as in zero interest, and ten, as in can I start yesterday? Sometimes I have a teen in my office who shows signs of interest, who asks me about programs, and who wants to know how they can get involved. But often the meetings go something like this. Ready to play the game? All right. Go to a USY event. One. Rosh Chodesh. Two. You could read Torah again. Zero. (laughs) So I do this really thing. It's a teen salon. It's so cool. You come, you learn Torah, there's pizza, it's delightful. Zero. It's me. Zero. (laughs) I used to sit in my office just so dejected after these meetings. How are we supposed to engage this next generation of Jews? How are we supposed to fill their lives with meetings when they literally have zero interest? And then I noticed a trend. I started asking teens, before we played the game, about how they spend their time, about what their passions are, what their interests are. And I found a very interesting correlation. Often, the teens who express the most interest are teens who have free time in their days. And the teens who sit on my couch with a look of disinterest, throwing out zeros, ones, and twos are often the teens that are running from daylight until daybreak, morning until night, in soccer and basketball and tutoring and rehearsal and practice and homework. I don't blame them. I would feel the same if I were in their shoes. Here they are, just barely getting by, trying to do their homework, trying to keep up in all of their activities. They barely have enough free time to think, let alone spend time with friends. And now their annoying rabbi has come up with just the program to add to their to-do list. For the teens in my office, free time is like a scrap of wood in a condo association, and I'm the developer with plans to tear it all down. But here's the catch. When I'm playing the game, when I'm offering programs here at Temple Emmanuel, I'm not just offering activities or to-do lists. I'm offering an opportunity to connect. Judaism is like a map. I don't know if you've experienced this, Boston has so many different pockets of nature and beauty with the emerald necklace and pockets of lakes and woods and forests. It's not an intuitive thing, but if you look closely, if you know how to go, you can find those green spaces. You can go from the hustle and bustle of city life to time out walking through the forests. Judaism is that map for us in our lives. And I want each of our teens to have the capacity to find their way out from busyness and stress into those open forests. Not too long ago, I had a teen who came to see me. It was the fall. He'd just gotten back from camp. And starting off senior year, he was feeling stressed. He said, I've been thinking about this a lot because life is so different at camp. When I'm there, I'm just happy. I just feel so grounded, like everything's so much fun. I make friends without any problem. Life is so good. And then I come back here and I feel stressed. No matter how much I've done, no matter what's left to do on my to-do list, I feel so stressed. And he said he's decided to try an experiment he started getting up early because he remembered back to camp and remembered that the moments in camp where he felt most happy were the moments right after tsvila. So he began waking up early to try a few minutes of Tzfilah before starting his day. He said, Aliza, it's the most amazing thing. I haven't changed anything in my life. I've still got the same amount of homework. But somehow, when I start my day with everything everything's just better. It's happened even last night. I was walking out from Shabbat Alive here, talking with one of our 7th graders, who said to me on the stairs, Aliza, I rarely get to come to these services because usually I'm home doing my homework. But, wow. It's like the whole service, it just it lowers your blood pressure. It's so easy for us to feel crushed. But this is what we want for our children. Honestly, this is what we want for ourselves. We want to find those places in our lives where we can just breathe. It's easy to think that if we just optimize our time, if we just do more multitasking, if we just do better, things will get better. But sometimes more is just more. As my teacher, Rabbi Ruth Kagan is fond of saying, our challenge is to be human beings, not just human doings. That's the lesson in our Torah portion. Once upon a time, our ancestors lived under the harsh rule of Pharaoh, servants to cruel taskmasters in Egypt. Their days were stressful, hairy to-do lists, running from task to task. Their time was not their own. They were anxious and worried, and they cried out to God. God heard their cries. But God didn't come down and give them five-minute meditation apps. And God didn't come down and give them ritual practices. No. God brought them out with an outstretched arm. It was only when they reached the open expanse of desert, only when they encountered a moment without an agenda, that God knew they were open to revelatory wisdom. Let's not fool ourselves. We are no different than our ancestors. It's not as though we're better at multitasking, nor as if our to-do lists bring us revelatory joy. It's time for us to claim our Torah. It's time for us to focus on being and not just on doing. Let's set aside time to ponder, to wander through the forest, to daydream. It's time for us to see our value in who we are and not just in what we've accomplished. Let's measure success in belly laughs, in times with friends in love. It's time for us to tell our children that they are blessings in the world no matter what grades they get in school, no matter how many activities they have on their agenda. It's time for us to claim our Judaism, not as a program, but as an avenue for finding peace and joy and meaning within the everyday. We can do this. Let's do it now. Shabbat shalom.